The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. There's a lot of attention when we talk about immigration on the child separation crisis going in the uh, going going on in the border. There's a lot of attention being placed with you know caravans of people coming into the United States. But to be honest, the real the real uh, uh, family separation crisis that is happening is actually happening within the United States. This is this is happening amongst families that have deep roots in the community, decades of experience in the United States. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. We got a hell of a show this week. Let me try to explain what we're going to do. Start by understanding his name. It's Abegnignan Amosu, but he is known throughout Montgomery and Prince George's County as Coach Fofo. This extraordinary, much lauded youth soccer coach has worked with hundreds of young people throughout the D.C. area, many of whom find in Coach Fofo a source of stability and strength in their otherwise turbulent lives. But after living in the United States for almost 20 years, he is now facing deportation back to his native Togo and has been informed that he needs to go in and see ICE on April 29th. Now leading that fight against his deportation alongside clergy and community leaders is the organization Casa de Maryland. Today we speak to Casa de Maryland Services Director George Escobar about the fight to save Coach Fofo. Also I've got some choice words about Tiger Woods' win at the Masters and his precarious relationship with Donald Trump. I've got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down awards and more. But first, let's talk to George Escobar. George Escobar, um, thanks so much for joining us here on the Edge of Sports podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners, first and foremost, uh, who is Coach Fofo? Sure. Uh, Coach Fofo is is a Togolese immigrant who has uh, about 20 to 30 years um, in, uh, in our community. So, we he's a he's a football coach um, that also has a youth uh, soccer academy that he leads um, in Montgomery County. And Montgomery County is, is just outside of um, of Washington D.C., just north of it. Um, in the neighboring county, um, in Prince George's County, he he also teaches um, kids with special needs. Um, so this is a very uh, a very popular figure in the community, a very beloved. Um, uh, member of, uh, of the community here in both Montgomery County and Prince George's County um, uh, in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, and an individual that, um, uh, you know, very few people that, that knew him, well, parents in the league and, uh, um, you know, other community leaders really didn't know much about his, uh, his immigration history. Um, lo and behold, um, at the end of last month, he reveals uh, to his friends that he has a, he has a check-in what's called a, a check-in with an ICE office. Um, basically, he, he was uh, told to uh, report to the, uh, uh, to the Immigration Customs Enforcement Office in Baltimore, Maryland, 
um, to be possibly deported that day. Um, nobody that knew him knew his knew anything related to this story. They were all completely shocked when they heard of the possibility of him being um, removed from from this community. He's he's also a, a, a He's also a, a father of, of, of two young children, a young son of 15 years old, who's also uh, very involved in the soccer league. Um, and it really traumatized a lot of people and really uh, woke them up about uh, really the, the, the arbitrariness of, of what's going on in, in, uh, in immigration enforcement right now. Um, again, he's an individual who's been living you know, in this community for, uh, for well over two decades. Um, is has absolutely no criminal background has never had any kind of um, altercation or or, or uh, with the police or, or anything negative that you can you can speak of um and so what we saw on that particular day when he was he was told to to, to come in he was told by the uh by the enforcement ice enforcement officers to basically bring a ticket uh, bring a plane ticket to, to togo um and and be prepared to be detained on that particular day Mm. Um, this is last March, had, right? This was last March, yeah. And, and we at CASA, we're an immigrant rights organization that works in the in the DC metropolitan area. Um, you know, where we have uh, uh, one hundred thousand members, um, folks that experience the same type of uh, uh, situation that that, uh, that Coach Fofo has, has experienced, immediately rallied to his support. So we do have a legal. Uh, program, a legal department, who's small but mighty, but we were able to, you know, rustle up a, um, a number of letters of support and a number of uh, uh, documents requesting that ICE uh, display uh, uh, discretion in this case. I mean, this again, this is an individual that is beloved by the community, well known. I mean, basically within the within the um, space of about 48 hours, we got letters of support from the Montgomery County executive, right, which is the, the chief executive of, of uh, the Montgomery County government of the entire Montgomery County, um, uh, of the entire Montgomery County council. Uh, we were able to get letters of support from members of Congress as well, um, from Senator uh, Van Hollen's office, from Senator Cardin's office also helped uh, um, uh, uh, investigate what was going on in, in the case and put in um, some uh, some support and requesting discretion on, on the part of his case, and you know, I just had this overwhelming response. Um, uh, unfortunately, when we showed up to the appointment, all we really got from ICE on that particular day was uh, basically uh, a request to to come back uh, a month later. Um, he was told to to show up for another appointment in April 29th, um, which is going to be you know. Uh, you know, in about 10 or so days, um, where he has to, again, um, appear before this, um, uh, before these uh, officials. He was requested again to bring a ticket to Togo, um, uh, process his passport, and be ready to be detained and deported on site. Um, so, again, this is, you know, this is uh, really frustrating because, again, this is an individual who's been in this country uh, uh, you know, for well over two decades. Um, he has incredible ties to the community is beloved, you know, throughout, um, uh, throughout every 
part of society that he engages in, right? And um, and again, it just shows the arbitrariness of, of what's going on in immigration enforcement is, today. Is arbitrariness uh, how we would answer the question, uh, why is the government aiming to deport him now? Or is there something in particular in terms of uh, policy that the Trump administration has set forth, which is putting the lives of people like Coach Fofo uh, in jeopardy? So this is he's he's exemplary of what's going on right now. I know I know that there's a lot of attention when we talk about immigration on the child separation crisis going in the uh, going going on in the border. There's a lot of attention being placed with you know caravans of people coming into the United States. But to be honest, the real the real uh, uh, family separation crisis that is happening is actually happening within the United States. This is this is happening amongst families that have deep roots in the community decades of experience in the United States, um, people, single mothers, um, we've seen deported in the same kind of uh, circumstances, mothers of U.S. citizen children that have come, again, they, uh, uh, depending on the particular circumstances, they've, they've all in one way or another had to um, uh, comply and come to an ICE office to quote unquote check in. These are ordinary appointments that people are, are supposed to supposed to check in on when their immigration case is still um, uh, being adjudicated through the court. Um, while that process is, takes place in the court, many of them are still um, uh, uh, are still mandated to come and check into an ICE office. Sometimes it's it's every month, sometimes it's every six months, sometimes it's every year. Again completely arbitrary um, how frequent these kind of check-ins happen. And again, when these people come to these offices or these check-ins, there is no guarantee what is going to happen on that particular day, even uh, irrespective of what's going on in a particular court case that's happening in another forum, right? And we've, we represent folks that go to these check-ins on a regular basis. And literally the people that have been taken in, we had a case where we had a single mother who was taken in? This individual actually had a court case in the in uh, in the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals because she was illegally detained by an officer, uh, a sheriff's uh, uh, department official from Frederick County in, in rural Maryland, that actually detained her just because of what she looked like. Um, he was not an ICE official. He was not an immigration enforcement official. He was a local sheriff's deputy, and he detained this individual just because of the fact that she looked Latina, right? And that started her her relationship and her situation going on with ICE. And about two months ago, she was detained arbitrarily on that particular day, despite the fact that she had separately this lawsuit against the government on on, on the basis of her initial arrest, right? And when she was arrested, we were we were just told by the supervising deportation officer at that particular time, She's being arrested because there are beds available at that time for women. And, and that's, that's the reality that Coach Fofo faces on April 29th. We really, you know, we, we are going to try our best to show, uh, show the government how much he's loved by the community. We've actually now secured a letter of support from the entire um, legislature uh, uh, in the state of Maryland. Um, uh, we have a letter of support that really represents the, the entire legislative body in both houses um, in the state of Maryland. Um, and we're actually even trying, we're pretty close to getting a, 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 some support from the governor's office as well. But, you know, that 
we're going to do our best to try to show uh, and request discretion in this particular case, but but you know we're going to be subjected to just that arbitrary decision by that particular deportation officer. If he had a bad day that particular day, he for some reason he doesn't like the look of us when we show up on that particular day. He has every right to take us in, um, and that's 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 what uh, that's what immigration enforcement looks like uh, right now. It's got nothing to do. Um, with any kind of rhyme or reason or thought-out process of how immigration uh, uh, laws are being enforced in the country. Uh, right now, it's all about numbers. And these officers in these field offices, uh, for example, here in Baltimore, we know they have a quota. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll figure out how they're going to fill that quota on a particular day. Um, so it's really frustrating. Does, does Coach... I'm sure. Does Coach Fofo, I thought I had read this, is, is, are there also concerns about any sort of, uh, are there concerns for his physical safety when he returns to Togo? Of course. I mean, honestly, this is uh, one of these uh, situations, right, where we have, and this is, this is the reality that many families face in this country, right? The, the country that they left is not the, it, it, the country that, that exists today, their countries of origin are not the countries that they left. Um, so for, in the first place, he, he fled Togo because of a lot of insecurity. He also fled um, uh, because of a number of, of, of circumstances that are very unique to his particular, his particular situation. But, uh, but that, was over, that was around 30 years ago now, right? Like this uh, situation going on, we know that the, the leadership is unstable in Togo. We know there's um, um, some country conditions that have changed since. He initially asked for for asylum, um, and it, he he does face. He is a, a person that is, and this is also a circumstance that, that happens to many other families as well, right? Their their profile um, in this country is elevated because in an attempt to try to uh, raise awareness of their situation, they're they're seen in the media. They're uh, they're, uh, they're 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 they become household names in the in their countries of origin because. As today, you know, as, as media works today, it's, it's very international. So all the pieces that we air, everything that we uh, broadcast, um, uh, folks in Togo can see as well. So when these individuals, if they're unfortunate enough to be forced to return to their home countries, uh, you know, there's also they also run the risk of being extorted, of, of being harassed. Um, uh, there's a, uh, a feeling that they have more money than than, uh, than the rest of the, the, the community that resides there, right? And and we've seen a number of those situations happen to people that are um, deported to some of these uh, uh, unstable countries. We've seen that happen a lot in folks that are forced to return to El Salvador, to Guatemala, to Honduras, right? Um, but of course, the same is true uh, uh, in Togo. So um, it's 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 a but again, it's it's a situation where his is we're we're fighting to to allow him to remain with his family here. Um, his wife, his young son, his 15-year-old son that needs him here. Um, and all those uh, all those young kids that play football um, in his league and all those kids, all those special needs kids that he, he spent a lifetime um, teaching. So that, that's, in the end, that's who we're fighting for. Mm. Now, I, I see that there are... Um people organizing to fight back to save coach fofo you've mentioned some things as far as getting uh letters from members of the legislature 
Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there was a soccer game as well to support Coach Fogel, yes. correct? Um, can you speak a little bit about that and also about uh, plans to rally for Coach Fofo on April 29th? Absolutely. So, yeah, just uh, just uh, Thursday night, actually, there was a, uh, a, a kind of a benefit soccer tournament that Coach Fofo himself led. Um, we partnered with him in, in organizing that um uh, that tournament, knowing that a lot of the families that a lot of the children that he that he teaches and a lot of the, the families that participate in his leagues are are uh, are Latinos and immigrants and are facing or know of people facing very similar circumstances. Right. So our, our benefit kind of soccer tournament was to raise awareness among everybody that, you know, when when one of us is, is attacked, we're all attacked. Um, and knowing that regardless of what country of origin we come from, regardless of the fact that we may be Latino, we may be African, we may be of Asian heritage, we're all facing the same crisis. And it's only if we all rally together and support each other are we really going to find, we're really going to be able to combat this kind of injustice, right? So, um, you know, at that at that concert, we were securing commitments for people to, to show up um, at, his, um, at his check-in at, in, uh, uh, in Baltimore on the 29th. And we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, raising funds and leveraging some of the funds we have ourselves um, to afford buses and transportation to have people, uh, uh, you know, to facilitate uh, transportation over to over to Baltimore from uh, Montgomery and Prince George's County in Maryland. Um, so on April 29th, when he goes in for, for his check in, um, of course, we're going to have a legal team that goes in. And is going to be fighting for him inside the building, but outside of the building, we plan to rally hundreds, if not thousands, of people in uh, in the quad area outside of the of the federal building there, um, at 31 Hopkins Plaza in Baltimore. Um, and we'll be starting early at 8 a.m. Um, and we'll have a, a, a an inspirational interfaith rally um, uh, uh, led by a, a variety of community ele- community leaders, elected leaders. Um, and we hope that, uh, you know, when the, when that deportation officer makes his, when he makes his decision, he's not thinking as arbitrarily as he did last time. And he takes a look outside the window and sees thousands of people outside the building um, rallying in support of Coach Fofo. So we hope to see him come out of that, um, you know, of that, of that appointment um, on, on the 29th. And, and hopefully, you know, we can drive him home to his son on that particular afternoon. And for people listening outside the Prince George's Montgomery County area, what can they do? So we have a number of. Uh, we're happy to send you links to his, his uh, petition. Um, so we have an online petition um, where we were asking to for support um, to show support for for Coach Fofo. So uh, we plan to submit that that petition. We we have a we have a goal of getting ten thousand signatures. Right now we're about half that goal, and we. Um, you know, we'd love to have additional support for people to um, uh, to learn about his story, understand, you know, the, how how he's being arbitrarily uh, victimized by this kind of uh, uh, injustice and 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 just sign the letter of support and show that you support him. Um, well, we you know, we will have live feeds on our um, on our on our platforms at, at Casa for All, their Twitter handle. and We are Casa's our website. We'll be doing Facebook lives of the of the rally, and if people would like to uh, see it live, um, we're happy to send those things as well. George Escobar, uh, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Of course, thanks thanks for uh, for your attention to this. It's it's uh, it's really great to have um, uh, you guys uh, 
as partners in this. Absolutely. We'll be back after a quick word from The Nation magazine, the sponsor of this podcast. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now I've got some choice words about Eldrick Tiger Woods. Okay, look, to be captivated by Tiger Woods' comeback victory at the Masters is to be human. He hadn't won a major in 11 years and hadn't triumphed at the Masters, the most prestigious event on the PGA Tour, since he was 29. Now at 43, coming off countless surgeries, a pill addiction, and affairs that imploded his marriage in front of the world, Tiger clawed his way back to the mountaintop. After clinching victory on the 18th hole, Tiger Woods fiercely embraced his young son, the same way his late father Earl Woods bear-hugged Tiger back in 1997 when he wanted Augusta for the first time. Not even the idea that this fatherly embrace will almost certainly be used by Nike in a heartfelt ad, or that father and son were wearing more swooshes than the entire Duke basketball team could detract from the moment. There will always be something meaningful about having a golfer of color win at Augusta. The golf course, built on an antebellum plantation, did not have an African-American compete until Lee Elder in 1975. The club itself did not admit black members until 1990. The symbolic power of Tiger raising his arms in victory at the most restricted of clubs in the most restricted of sports will always raise goosebumps. But much has changed since the last time Tiger was victorious at Augusta. Back in 2005, it was still possible for Tiger Woods to play the role of the apolitical athlete, to primarily be a brand. Tiger, like one of his mentors, Michael Jordan, was a Picasso at the art of eliding anything of substance. In particular, after his ill-fated foray in branding his racial identity as Cablin Asian, Tiger has marketed his status as a trailblazing black athlete, while also denying that it gave him any obligation to use his platform to say something about race or oppression. He not only wouldn't be Gandhi, as his late father famously predicted when Tiger was barely old enough to drive, he would in fact resist any kind of social responsibility. That could still work in 2005, but in 2019, in the shut up and dribble era of Donald Trump, it's a tougher sell. The tweeter-in-chief has turned every day into a political litmus test, and no arena has been spared, especially not sports. To say you have no opinion in this climate is in effect to have an opinion, or as Dr. King said, a time comes when silence is betrayal. What's more, Trump and Woods have been friends dating back to when Trump was just a reality TV host and not whipping up white nationalists to threaten the life of a sitting member of Congress. When asked about their relationship, Tiger said, Well, I've known Donald for a number of years. We've played golf together. We've had dinner together. I've known him pre-presidency and obviously during his presidency. He's the president of the United States. You have to respect the office. No matter who is in the office, you may dislike the personality or the politics, but we all must respect the office. 
when asked to comment further after one tournament, he said, no, I just finished 72 holes and I'm really hungry. Trump, unable to resist crudely placing himself in the middle of this feel-good master's moment, tweeted that he would be honoring Woods with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It would be shocking if Woods turns down the offer. After all, quote, we must respect the office, end quote. But we also know that many athletes have chosen to not respect an openly racist president who calls them sons of bitches and brays for them to lose their jobs for the crime of protesting racism. Leading among them is the only athlete whose fame rivals Tiger, LeBron James. The last two years have seen NBA teams, individual baseball players, and football players refuse trips to the White House and choose to be public about the fact that they will not be used as a prop by this administration. They simply will not respect the office of someone who time and again has chosen to disrespect not just the office, but people of color, immigrants, women, the disabled. The list tragically is as long as the Twitter rants that stand as an ugly testament to his petty and dangerous hatreds. Accepting any honor or medal or even photo op from this administration is anything but an apolitical act. That's the reality of the times we live in. Tiger knows it but he will almost certainly make the calculation that an open refusal of Trump will be a political step too far. He's going to find out that acceptance, that being a prop for this administration, will be read just as politically. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey everybody out there, this is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it, but we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now it's time for the Just Stand Up Award. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. The Just Stand Up Award this week goes to the fan groups that surround the Vancouver Whitecaps of the MLS. That's Major League Soccer. The Vancouver Whitecaps supporters groups walked out in droves, quote-unquote, from last Wednesday night's game against Los Angeles. In the 35th minute, there was a planned protest where fans turned their backs to the game on the field and filled up the steps to the concourse. They were leaving the stadium in droves to express their anger over how the Whitecaps and the Canadian Soccer Association handled allegations of coaching abuse and misconduct put forth by a group of players from the 2008 Women's Whitecaps and Canadian National Under-20 team. I think that's an incredible showcase of fan power, flexing of muscles, and an act of great solidarity. Good job, Vancouver Whitecaps Supporters Group. You get the Just Stand Up Award. Thank you, Daryl Rochard, for emailing that one in. Very appreciated. The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award goes to Major League Baseball for how they respond to players getting hit by 99-mile-an-hour fastballs. Uh, If you missed it this past week, a player named Tim Anderson for the Chicago White Sox, one of the 
dwindling number of African-American players in Major League Baseball uh, celebrated after a home run, heaven forfend, flipped his bat, oh my goodness, broke the unwritten rules of the game, the, the crusty, antiquated, calcified, unwritten rules of Major League Baseball, and then was plunked in the back for doing so. Tim Anderson uh, made his way out to the mound, the dugouts cleared, everybody jostling and whatnot. And then Tim Anderson, who again is African-American, called a white dude the N-word. And so the pitcher wasn't suspended for hitting Tim Anderson, but Tim Anderson was suspended for dropping an N-bomb in the middle of that uh, kerfuffle. And so Major League Baseball, you're actually going to suspend the black guy who got hit by a baseball for dropping an N-word on the white guy in the heat of struggle as they're jostling on the mound. Sincerely, Major League Baseball, sit your ass down. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to George Escobar for joining us. If people want more information about how to help Coach Fofo, we're going to have links that go along with the description of this podcast. Check them out. The petition will be there. Links to the protest on April 29th for the locals are going to be there. Uh, Please, everybody, if you're out there listening, it actually makes a huge difference. If you write a review or make a rating or place a rating on the podcast at Apple iTunes, please do so. It'll take you two minutes and it'll help us continue to do this podcast. Also, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We have an interview this week about the politics of WrestleMania and the victory of Kofi Kingston with Damian Smith. And on the Patreon Extra page, that's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod, we have an interview with the great Davey D, hip-hop journalist, about the killing of Nipsey Hussle and his legacy. So please check all of that out. Uh, For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.